0: Good morning, guys. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. Let me put on some music real quick. Turn it down. There we go. Hope you guys are having a good morning. Um, what an amazing day. To, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we should be rejoice and be glad in it, right? So, guys, we're going to, I just want to welcome you to the Sunday morning church service here at Made Free Church, Made Free Church, Idaho. Um... You Know so, do religious, religious people have an advantage? We're going to be at Romans 3 1. That is Romans 3 1. And it's just an announcement before we get started, Because If you guys need prayer in any way, shape, or form, please go to madefreechurch.org. You know, uh, we have a whole intercessor prayer team that is set up that um, will uh, pray over your prayer request weekly, every day for a week. So go there. <coughs> There is a um, prayer request tab right there on the website. So, awesome. So, you know, let's get into this. Let's get into prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we get to spend with you, God. And we just love you and we worship you, God. Just ask that you get me out of the way and let your word come forth, Lord. And just uh, ask that you bless our hearts this Sunday morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Let's get into it. You know, um, let's read Romans 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, What advantage then is there being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? See, every profession has its favorite story. And the legal profession is no exception. See, a beginner attorney was defending a man accused but biting a man's ear off, right, during a ballroom uh, ballroom fight. The witness to the fight was on the stand, and the young uh, attorney was cross-examining him and said, Did you actually see the defendant bite the man's ear off? No, sir, the witness replied. Well, that was the answer the young attorney wanted to hear. But he made a common mistake uh, uh, among novice lawyers. Instead of ending his cross-examination when he was headed and on a winning track, he continued to ask another question what did you exactly see? He asked. The witness said, "I saw him spit it out." The point is that going too far and failing to uh, quit when you're ahead is a mistake in all in, in in a lot of legal dispensations. Right? It's 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 a similar charge that uh, has gone too far. The apostle Paul seems to hear an opponent raise as he comes to the end of Romans 2 and begins in Roman 3, right? Now, we know that Paul has been trying to prove that all people, Jews as well as Gentile, religious as well as non-religious, are guilty of breaking God's law and need a savior. See, but, Paul's argue, but Paul has argued the case forcefully in that he has virtually equated the Jew who was thought to have a great religious advantages with the Gentile who had none. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) In Romans 2.11, Paul says that God does not show favoritism either to the Jew or the Gentile. Then when he reaches to the end of the chapter... In Romans uh, two, tw- uh, chapter two, tw- uh, verse twenty-nine, he defines the Jewishness in a way that, is vir- that has virtually nothing whatever to do with a person's religious or ethnic heritage, and it says this: No man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by written code. But that doesn't that doesn't prove too much. Uh, so an opponent, that opponent, an opponent, uh, that opponent might, may argue, right? But if God treats Jews and Gentiles alike, not showing any favoritism, and if the only thing that makes a person truly Jew- Jewish is the inward transformation by the Holy Spirit, then what advantage is there for in being a Jew? Or, to put it in contemporary terms, what advantage is there for being religious? What value is there in baptism, church membership, communion, or any other religious activity that we are under condemnation anyway? If a religious person uh, has no advantage over non-religious people, then why should we even bother with religion at all? Well, let's just enjoy ourselves and sin right along with everybody else, but if Religious people do have an advantage, then it, it then isn't it possible to please God by our religious practices and be saved by them after all? These questions these are questions I want to answer here today, right? because people think that they're saved strictly by their religious activities and that's not what the text is saying right? So let me tell you about the Jewish person's advantages, right? Paul says being Jewish and circumcised are true advantages, although they are not the kind of advantages that can save a person or save one, right? No justice to Paul's thinking. We need to look ahead uh, to a list of Jewish advantages appearing not in Romans 3, but Romans 9. The present text encourages us to do this because Paul asks, what advantage then is there being a Jew or what value is there in circumcision, right? And the answer, and he answers much in every way. First of all, having been entrusted with the very words of God in Romans 3 verses 1 and 2. Okay, the italics are mine, right? The very fact that Paul says, first of all, leads us to look at what is also second and third and so on, right? Paul's list Only one advantage is in Romans 3, 2. That is the Jew has been entrusted with the very words of God. And I'll come to that advantage back in a moment, right? So let's look at, let's now look through a list of advantages mentioned in Romans 9. Speaking of the Jews, Paul says in Romans uh, chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, and he says this. There is an adoption of sons... There is divine glory, there is a the covenant, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and promises. Theres are the patriarchs and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ who is God overall forever praised. Amen. So these ideas are worth looking at individually. First, the adoption of sons, right? The first term embraces what is what, what follows, right? For it speaks it speaks of a sovereign act of God who, for his own good reasons, according to his own good pleasure, drew the Jewish people into a special family relationship with himself. Second, the divine glory. In the context of the Jewish history, the phrase refers to God's revelation of himself in glory on Mount Sinai at the time of the giving of the law, in the most holy place of the Jewish temple and a few other places as well. No other nation had this privilege. And third, the covenants, right? This word is plural, right? So it probably refers to the full scope of the special promises of God to Israel, generally known as the Noaic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, the David, I can't even say that word, uh, and new covenant. In each case, God promised to be and to do certain things for his people, not because of any good in them or in the anticipation of any special performance on their part but solely for his own good pleasure right so fourth is receiving the law while all people have the law of God written on their hearts no other nation had the privilege of receiving the law from the hand of God Moses received the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai right um, and then we're gonna go to the fifth one which is temple worship now this is obviously an obvious advantage because In the early days, God actually manifested himself in the tabernacle or temple. However, since the emphasis is on worship, uh, the advantage uh, actually referred to the way in which this worship was pointed to the pathway to God by the anointing, of uh, by the atoning, excuse me, uh, sacrifices for sin, which prefigured the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In fact, everything in the temple in some way pointed to Jesus and was fulfilled by him. So, six is the promises, the Old Testament like the New Testament filled with promises to God's people. These are the these are very a, a very wide scope, right? Covering all the Jews could possibly need. And, and they are sure and, and they are sure and reliable since God who has made and spoken them, right? Seventh, the patriarchs, which means fathers, can, uh, and, and can be referred to any one of the Israel's giants in the past, right? And it refers primarily for the first three fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? But God calls himself by their name, saying to Moses in Exodus 3.6, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So it was an advantage to have such an ancestry because God had worked greatly through these men. And also they were models of faith and godliness to their descendants. Eighth is human ancestry of Jesus Christ being related to Jesus Christ did not secure the salvation for the Jewish people but it was still better to be close to him and his ministry in a way than to be far from him right nothing else there is was at least a cultural infinity of which it was easier to understand the meaning of his teaching right and ninth And coming back to Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the very words of God. Now, I suppose that if Paul had been asked to interpret himself after the first two verses of Romans uh, 3, he might have listed the eight terms in Romans 9, chapter uh, chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. But we still must not miss the fact when Paul is answering the specific question. What advantage then is there being a Jew? And in Romans 3.1, it's not only the whole list in Romans chapter 9, verse 4 uh, four through 5, but rather a matter of possessing the very words of God alone that he stresses. See, the fact, he also asks, what value is there in circumcision? He does not speak of the sacraments or any external signs as an advantage in his context, Right just scripture Um, just the very words of god that is the chief item and in romans 3 the only one right now can any one of us experiencing things in life of greater personal advantage of uh, to our souls than the possession of holy scriptures the very words of god of course not samuel chadwick an english methodist one of their greatest preachers wrote this you know, I'm not really into Methodists, but it's a it's, it's a it's a good quote about the Bible, right? Uh, he says this, I have worked over the Bible, prayed over the Bible for more than 60 years, and I tell you, there is no book like the Bible. It is a miracle of literature, a perennial uh, spring of wisdom, a wonderful book of surprises, a revelation of mystery, and an infallible guide of conduct, and an unspeakable source of comfort. And so did the reformer Martin Luther had to say this about the very words of God. I have made a covenant with God that he sends me neither visions, dreams, or even angels. I am well satisfied with the gift of the Holy Scriptures, which give me an abundant instruction and all that I need to know both for this life and for that which is to come. See... Without the very words of God, we are completely confused adrift drift in a sea of human speculation where all the great questions of life are concerned. Now, is there a God? Do uh, do, we, do we, we... We don't know. At least in our sinful state, we're unable to admit the, fir- the full personal significance of there being a God. So who are we? We don't know the answer to that important question. Apart from Scripture, we cannot know what we have been created in the image of the only true God and called to glory to glorify him and to enjoy him forever and, and how do we know we come from God right and, and how how is our sin dealt with and, and what way is the of life is best does what we do matter right and the and it's only from the revelation of God in the Bible that we can have answers to any of these questions, right? That life and of these life and death questions. So, second, let's look at the religious person's advantages today. Right at this point, I'm sure that you can see uh, where the where the message is going, since I obviously am trying to take what Paul said and. To a thoroughly religious person of his day, the Jew, and apply it thoroughly to the religious person of our time. Paul is answering the argument, and he answers. Uh, his answer is digression uh, from what he has been setting out to prove in Romans one eighteen through uh, three twenty. Right, so the issue the apostle is dealing with. Uh, here is vital importance to everyone. No one is saved by such things as baptisms, sacraments, or church attendance. No one is even saved by such an important uh, thing as having, yes, even studying, right, the very words of God. But that does not mean that the religious person's practices are of no use and that, one is acting wisely if he or she abuses, neglects, or disregards them, right? So I asked the question Do religious people have an advantage? Or might I put it this way? Do people who attend a sound, faithful, Bible preaching, gospel centered church have an advantage? So I want to suggest three answers, right? First, even if God never saves you by drawing you from uh, the darkness of your sin to saving faith in Jesus Christ you will at least sin less because of the vantage and therefore be punished less severely some think that this is a strange place to begin but I need to begin with the hardest situation in order that you might understand on one hand uh, there. That there is a genuine spiritual advantage for those who will have them. And on the other hand, these that these in themselves do not save anyone. So you must remember that your situation is desperate, right? You can do nothing for yourself. And even knowing the truth does not save you. Because in your ungenerated state, you're in, 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 you are unresponsive or even hostile to it. No one could be saved who is not born again, and the work of the spiritual regeneration is God's doing. So we have seen that there are degrees of punishment for sin in Romans 2.5, and Paul spoke uh, of individuals storing up wrath uh, by frequent and persistent sin. But Jesus Christ made the point when he described a servant who knows his master's will and disobeys it, by, beating, uh, by, uh, by being beaten with many blows, while another servant who does not know his master's will and therefore unintentionally disobeys it by beating with a few blows in Luke twelve forty seven through 48. Even the author of the letter of Hebrews seems to make a point when he speaks uh, in, in Hebrews 2, 2. Every violation of the law And disobedience receives its just punishment. So I say nothing else, knowing the law of God and living in the company of people who are trying to obey God's commandment and to encourage one another to live godly lives is is a value, even if you're not saved. For it will at least mean that you will be committing fewer sins which you will one day be punished for. Now, second, going to church and listening to the preaching of the word of God. Now, if you are in a sound, faithful, Bible-preaching, gospel-centered church, it uh, will at least cause you to know the way of salvation, even if you don't respond to it. A person might argue that knowing how to be saved and yet not responding to the revelation, in fact, rejecting it, right, is not an advantage but a disadvantage in that it will undoubtedly increase one's guilt. And it's the case of the servant knowing the master's will, but not doing anything about it. Catch my point? And that is true. Right? Now, it is compounded if together with the knowledge you think of yourself as rather a fine Christian, you are worse off than you think is God must somehow think better of you just because you know a great deal. But it does not need to work that way, right? In fact, it meant to work quite the other way. Instead of becoming proud because of your knowledge, you should be humbled by it. The first thing you learn from the Bible, if you're really profiting from it, is that you're a sinner hopelessly lost by virtue of your own sinful nature and your deliberately wicked choices that you are under the, uh, God's just wrath and doomed to perish eternally unless God's grace, graciousness to you and reaches out to save you through the work of Jesus Christ. See, this is what Paul, this is what, this is, this is what Paul, this is what Romans is all about so far. Who can read the first three ch- uh, chapters of Roman intelligently um, and remain proud? Who can read these chapters and fail and and fail to see the need of throwing him or herself utterly upon god's mercy now, as I said, knowledge of knowledge uh of the way of salvation, including the need uh, including your need of it as a sinner in and it itself will not save you, but it's hard to see how you could be saved without it because without such knowledge, you will not even begin to seek God. most it, most likely you will consider yourself ready already saved or at least uh, not needing salvation, right? And the third great advantage of, 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 of advantage uh, attending a regular church, and above all, faithful adherence to the preaching and the studying of word, uh, the word of God is that although you cannot claim it as a right from God, it is through the reading and preaching of the Bible that God is most likely to save you. How is one born again after all? Peter writes this in First Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 25. Born again, not from perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring word of God, for all men are like grass and all their glory are like flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. To hear the preaching of the word of God is the most assured path to salvation and knowing the grace of God. In some way, James wrote in, in James 1:18, he, God, right, has chosen us uh chose us chose to give us birth through the word of truth that he might be kind of the first fruits of all he created you know a few years ago i was i was preaching through the the gospel of john and i came across john 9 and where you know he told where john told the story about a man who was blind but who was healed by jesus from a, from from spiritual as well as physical blindness, right? And I remember reflecting on how desperate the man's plight and and how this is intended to be a picture of our own desperate condition apart from Jesus Christ. What was his state? For one thing, he was blind. He couldn't see. Others could see, but he couldn't. And this meant that he couldn't see. He it, This meant that he could not see Jesus. If Jesus said, as Peter and John did uh, uh, later uh, said to the crippled man at the Temple of a beautiful, look at us. The man could not have looked because he was blind. This is the state of the lost today. Jesus is preached, but they cannot see him. They, that is, they cannot understand who he actually is or what he actually accomplished they can't understand the gospel the bible says in first corinthians 2 14 the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are there because they are spiritually discerned now again a man whose story is told in john 9 had been blind from birth which meant that he probably did not even greatly value sight having never known what it was, right? He never, he knew he was missing something. and Just as, uh, just like many people uh, today are vaguely aware they're missing uh, missing a dimension in their lives, right? But he did not really know what it was to, or even think of having his condition cured. In the, very st- in, the, in the story, we notice that he did not ask the Lord to heal him. See, you gotta understand, he was a beggar. And, and, and it's a beggar's task and a beggar's job to beg. You know, he did not beg for sight. Um, it, he was in, a, in the habit of asking people that passed by for money because he had none. Now, this means that even if sight could have been procured for some great sum, Right, the uh, the man's case would still have been hopeless and grim before, because he because he couldn't buy his sight. He had he had nothing in, in in his poverty. The blind man reminds us of how bankrupt we are before God. See, there is very little to be said for this man at the moment that Jesus found him. He was blind, unaware, and bankrupt. Right, but. When I was preparing my studies for the story, I came across a saying of one of the older preachers and, and who observed that, although little could be said for the blind man, there, there was, was this one thing. He was at least in the place where Jesus was most likely to go. He was by the gate leading into the temple grounds where Jesus frequently passed by. And it was there that Jesus looked at him, loved him, healed him, and drew him to himself. Right? Now, I apply this to you if you're not born again today. Right? You know what I mean? Your your condition is not good. Uh, You're lost under God's wrath. You're blind to God's truth. And you're spiritually bankrupt. but there is one thing you cannot save yourself as long as you can hear the gospel message you are at least where Jesus is most likely to go see Jesus loves to bless preaching and teaching of of his word you know though your condition may be hopeless but it's no worse than that of, of any other lost sinners before he or she is saved the mere hearing of the, of the word is your advantage. Now, now don't despise it then, and, and, and don't say, so then what advantage is there in attending a sound, faithful, Bible-preaching, gospel-centered church? Well, there's great advantage in much in every way, right? So cling to it. Ring every possible advantage from it. Who knows, but God will use the very word of God to save you. Amen. So it's quite clear, you know, it's quite, it's quite clear. So, you know, I I hope you guys are, 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 are really, really enjoying, um, this trip through Romans. We're going to be here for a very long time and, and, um, You know, it's going to be a a wonderful time that we get to spend in the Word of God, and I hope you guys are enjoying it. Romans is a thick book, and uh, we're going to be here probably till the end of the year. So, buckle up, all right? So, okay, guys, um, just a couple announcements before we go. Guys, if you'd like to support Made Free Church in any way, shape, or form, there's three ways to give. You can give through the Cash App. You can give through our PayPal link, and you can give through... Uh, You can send a check or money order to the addresses provided now remember Please send your email address to us as well on the on the cash app and um, The PayPal link so we can send you a tax deductible receipt um, Yeah, you know for your taxes at the end of next year and also if you do send a check or money order uh, Please put your email address so we can do the same. Okay? Um, and guys we do need your support because we're opening made free church idaho and we're looking for a building and and we're going to need your funds so keep that in prayer and if god leads you you know to um support this ministry in this church um we greatly appreciate it okay and we thank you um and guys uh we have a new website that that we're we're going to be launching we've already launched it but um, and it's called preach Core. you know, uh, it's about preaching the full counsel of God. And we're looking for YouTubers. We're looking for people that have their own videos that are being put out there. So, you know, we can actually help you and push you to get more followers in your church or more followers online and stuff like that. So go to PreachCore.org and do it that way. You know what I mean? It's going to be really, really, it's a really cool website. We've designed it and stuff like that. So do it that way. Okay, and guys, thank you for watching and may God bless your day and may God richly bless your day, right? Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we get to spend with you, Lord, and we just ask God that you just bless this next week, God. Bless our hands and feet for work. Bless our lives, Lord. Bless our children, our our our. our you know, our families, Lord, and, and just we just lift up the unsaved right now, Lord. And we just ask that you draw in those who are yours, God, who God has given you, uh, Lord. And and uh we just ask, Lord, that we are just an examples of you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Guys, you guys have a great week. God bless you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being here. And uh, we will see you, I'm probably going to do one uh, probably, not tomorrow, but probably Tuesday. Um, I'll be on doing a Bible study, right? God bless.